Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Hello Storyteller podcast. I am Melissa, and Meg is here. Hello, Meg. Hey, hey, hey. And so we didn't have an episode last week because I straight up got laryngitis. Jeez, Louise, this fool could not speak like hardly at all. <laughs> I really couldn't. Who is this which, person? I, you know, it was the strangest thing because I don't think I've ever lost my voice like in that in that way. And I mean, I, you know, I've gone to concerts. I've been screaming my little heart out. Like I've had I've had like a day where like my voice was tired or, you know, my voice was like hoarse, but but never like totally lost it. And so I, I taught a workshop last weekend and I was, I was in the process of getting a head cold. And so my voice is kind of scratchy, you know, like when you get a head cold and like you start sounding like a man, you know, like that's <laughs> what I sounded like yeah. during the workshop on Sunday. It's your nice, sexy, raspy voice is what I like to say. Yeah. I don't know that mine sounded like that, but <laughs> it was more like heavy smoker, late sixties. <laughs> hack, hack. <laughs> Pretty much. And I'll tell you what, like I was taught for eight hours and my, it was, it was the strangest thing. My throat hurt so badly to swallow like my own saliva, but not to like eat anything. And oh, so <laughs> it was the strangest thing. And so honestly, what I think happened is I think I either like inflamed my actual vocal cords because like I didn't have a cough. I didn't, aside from that first day, like that right after the workshop, I didn't have like your typical sore throat. Like if I drank water, it actually felt good. Like I, I stopped and got like, stopped at Panera on my way home and got like hot soup. Like that felt good. Like there wasn't, it was the strangest thing. And then I woke up on Monday and was just like, nope, I don't have a voice. And I did not really get my voice back until Thursday, maybe. And I'm still, I, I wouldn't say that I'm even a hundred percent back now. No, I still, 100%. I'm not a hundred percent, but it's, so it's, yeah. So it straight up got laryngitis. So we decided to spare you all my croaking and creaking <laughs> and squeaking. <laughs> she te she texts me on Friday. She's like, podcast? And I was like... <laughs> Monday? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you don't sound funny. like you're podcast ready. Um, oh, and then I had a doubleheader wedding weekend. Oh, yeah. And so I was like, oh, boy, am I going to have a voice after this? And it was a little it was a little creaky last last night when I got <laughs> home, but it's fine. And I don't, you know, I don't, I guess I didn't realize how loudly I usually have to speak in my house to be heard. Oh, I'm sure. Until... I could not. And then all my kids are like, what? What? What are you trying to say? And I was like, well, if all of you would be quieter. But it was, it like was my ultimate like secret is I do the whisper and then they have to listen because <laughs> they can't hear me otherwise. So then but I just do whisper voice all the time. I could barely whisper. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was like basically talking with hand signals. It was so bad that like. The kids are in bed, dog's asleep, TV's off. I'm sitting in our living room and my husband is at the kitchen sink, which is maybe 10 feet away from me. He asks me a question. I answer him and he goes, I cannot hear you. <laughs> <laughs> he comes in. He's like, you're going to have to say it again. You literally had to stand like two feet from me to be able to hear me. It was, it was bad, but we're on the mend. So, all right. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better and that you are you. audible. Yay. Yeah. And that was the other funny thing is I sounded like death. Oh, no. I, like if you, you spoke to me on the phone, I literally sounded like I was on death's door. I felt absolutely fine. Monday, I felt like crap. So After Monday, I felt totally fine. But I sounded like I was dying. And anytime like I tried to answer my phone, somebody would be like, oh my, are you okay? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I'm fine. I feel great. I just sound, I had a session, I had a newborn session last week. And so I had to message them in the morning and be like, I don't really have a voice. I'm fine, like health wise, I'm good, but I just sound awful. <laughs> so don't be alarmed My when voice I show up. Is injured. Sorry. <laughs> it was, I think. Yeah. Poor. Voice. All right. So we started, I think it was two episodes ago, we started our Passion to Profit series. Yes. And we are going to do, what was it, session two? I don't want to yep. say part two because there could be episode two. I don't know how to. I thought. Number two. Number two. Sure. Episode two. two. Episode two <laughs> of Passion to Profit. 
So today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about how to make sure that your business is legal, street legal. There's a couple of super easy steps to do that. We're going to give a little bit of an overview of pricing. We're not going to like delve deep down into the details of it, but give you an idea of how to start sort of figuring out what you should charge. Spoiler alert, it is not by looking at what other people in your area are charging. So (laughs) there's that. We're going to talk about client experience and why that is an integral part of building your business. And then we have... We have some other ways to be able to make an income from photography that doesn't have to do with actually taking on clients in the traditional sense. So let's jump in, shall we? We shall. (laughs) We shall. So here's the thing. The second that you start taking money for your work, you are in business. Whether someone is paying you $5 (laughs) or they're paying you $5,000. The amount of money does not matter. It just means that once you are charging for your work or accepting money for your work, you are in business. And so there's a couple of super simple and easy things that you need to do to make sure that your business is legal. And the reason that you want to make sure your business is legal is, you know, because that's important. Very informative. Thanks, Mel. You're welcome. That's my, I mean, here's the thing, right? I just had to pay a very large tax bill (laughs) to the government two Ah. weeks ago. It was expected, but still painful, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, which on the upside is great. It means that business is making money, but there are certain things that are just sort of inevitable when it comes to having a business and, and, Paying taxes is one of those things. And so you don't ever want to be in a position where you're not running your business legally and then you somehow get into trouble. It just is, it's not a good look for a business owner. So first step to making sure your business is legal is registering your business with your city or town. Super simple to do. Typically, depending on what kind of town or city you live in, you can do this or at least get the application, if not submit it online. You go to your city hall, town hall, there should be a process for registering your business. I've had to do it in two different small towns. The process was the same. The fee was a little Super bit different. Easy. Super like easy. Five minutes. Yeah, max. And the like the first town I registered, registered my business in, it was good for 10 years. And I don't actually know how long this one is, but they keep finding me to pay tax bills for the business. So I figure I'm still legit. Should probably check on that. But you just go ahead. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I think it was five. So it's coming up. It was, I know it was less than the first town I registered because I moved. Five sounds but, about right. I can't. Five sounds about. I feel like that's safe. It's, it's unusual that it would be like only a year. It's usually several years yeah. of, of registration. So make note when you're to register your business of how long the registration lasts for before you have to renew. But that's, that's literally what you need to do. You need to register your business and you can register your business. And I think the follow-up question to that is usually, well, do I, do I create an LLC? And I would say not yet. Now I'm going to preface all of the things we're talking about today to remind everybody, I am not a lawyer, nor am I an accountant. (laughs) And so I am going, and Meg and I are going to share our experiences with you based on what our accountants And the legal advice we've been given has told us you should always consult with your own attorney and your own accountant for your own business in your own state because everything varies wildly. And Megan, I know that just from doing business in both California and Massachusetts. There is a disclaimer. That being said, on the whole, I think when you're, you're first starting out your business, it's absolutely fine to do your business as a sole proprietor. And that can be a DBA, which is doing business as like in my situation, it's my name. It's Melissa Ortendahl Photography, but you don't have to worry about LLC stuff, at least from what my accountant told me. Until you reach a certain threshold of revenue, there's not really a lot of additional security that comes with registering your business as an LLC. So if you're just starting out, you can very easily register as a DBA, which there's no cost to doing that. There is a cost to become an LLC. There is a cost to becoming an S corp, um, things of that nature. But for you just starting out DBA sole proprietor, 
and super simple, super easy, no additional cost for that to my knowledge. You can always become an LLC later. You can always become an escort later. Like to start the business, you can do it that way. You don't even, you can register with the government to get an employer identification number, which is called an EIN. Uh, you can also just choose to use your social security number to start with. I actually haven't even gotten an EIN yet. So totally up to you and your preference of what you want to do there as well. But that's it. That's what you, that's how you make sure that your business is legal to start with. And then of course you need to make sure that you are paying taxes on your business. So I always think it is a good idea and we found it to be helpful. And I know Meg, cause I, I know your accountant. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love her. She's great because we, we we use her for Hello Storyteller too. And in my role as the CFO, I, I actually work with her a decent amount. I just think it's a good business sense to get an accountant. You know, the first couple of years that I had my business, my husband's because I'm married, so we filed jointly. My husband's withholding tax wise was was enough to cover the taxes that my business accrued. So it wasn't, there wasn't, but it was just helpful to have an accountant tell me like, what do I need to be itemizing? What are considered to be business expenses? How do things like meals and mileage and uh, sales tax and all those things work? And it's different state to state, which is why I'm not even going to delve into any of those specifics. But I would just say that if you're looking to start a business, I think having an accountant is a great idea. And the fee for the accountant is a business expense. <laughs> It's a write-off. <laughs> and you don't have to crunch numbers yourself and drive yourself crazy. Right, exactly. Uh, just me? Oh, gotcha. Yeah, so that part of it is super helpful. But to that end, you need to be keeping track of your business expenses. And so some other things that I would recommend that I think are helpful when starting your business is just to open up a separate business bank account because you want to keep things separate. You want to keep your business income and revenue and expenses separate from your personal banking. It just makes it a lot easier when you're trying to keep track of expenses and things of that nature. So those are the things. So you absolutely have to register your business. That's, that's a must do situation. The nice things that I think are helpful and that just makes sense when you're starting a business is to find an accountant is to open up a separate business banking account. And if you're in a position to do so, Having a separate business credit card is a good idea too, just to keep everything separate. You're going to want to keep your business finances separate from your personal finances. That's, those are important. We talked about contracts in our first episode that goes right along with it. If you're going to be working with people or you're going to be accepting money, you need to have a contract and that is to protect yourself and it is to protect your clients. I would recommend going and getting a template to start with from the legal page. We'll link her before we've talked about her before. She's great. She is a photographer. She's also a lawyer. She has her own podcast and she was super duper helpful for me during the pandemic when things were changing all the time. And we were trying to figure out like contract clauses and things of that nature. So we'll link her in the show notes, but this is also where having an attorney in your state is important. And this is where bartering can come into play too. If you know someone, if you have like a family friend or if, you know, you could always reach out because we know lawyers aren't, aren't inexpensive to hire. You could always barter. You know, I had these contracts. I put them together. Would you be willing to take an hour to look over the contracts? And I'd be happy to do a session for you. Right. The worst they're going to say is no. But it's always, I think, you know, throw it out there and barter services. But just to get an attorney that's in your state that's familiar with small business self-employment laws is super helpful because you want to make sure that your contract covers you in the state in which you're doing business. So that's important as well. But those are really, I don't think I missed anything, but those are really like the, the main steps you need to take. Register your business, have a contract, set up a separate business banking account, and just make sure that your business, you're keeping track of your business expenses because the money that you invest into your business can help you on the tax end of things. So things like, you know, your website cost, your, you know, educational things that you pursue, anything that you use for your business. And I'm talking like if you use like apps on your phone 
for your business to post QuickBooks, mileage apps, things like scroll, or I can't even think of the other ones that I used, but lenses, memory cards, cameras, computers, hard drives, like all of those things are business expenses. And that's why having an accountant is helpful to say like, what should I be including as a business expense? What is not a business expense and keeping all of that separate from your personal finances will just make your life a lot easier. So anything, Meg, you want to add to the street legal? Did I miss anything? No, I think. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that you didn't already cover, but if we think of anything else, we'll make a list and we'll do it for the next run. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, of course, we start talking about expenses. People start thinking about making money. And then I feel like the top question I see in every Facebook group is one of two things. How much... I love these posts that people share their work and they're like, how much do you think I should charge for these? And it <laughs> makes me want to scream because then you have 7,000 people that are commenting and telling you what they think you should be charging based on your work. I'm going to let you all in on a little secret here when it comes to pricing your work. Art is subjective. <laughs> Here's the thing. In a post like that, when someone posts their work, and they say, what do you think I should be charging for images like this? That is the most ineffective way to figure out your pricing. And the, and the reason why that particular way is, is showing your work to someone and saying, how much do you think these pictures are worth? That's not what you should be using to determine your pricing. Art is subjective. You wander into any Facebook group that shares photos and you will see a wide variety of styles of editing of composition, some you're going to really like, some you don't like at all. And that's why none of us can look at somebody else's work and be like, oh, they're not charging enough for, for those pictures. Well, I like them. I would be willing to invest more in images like that, but that doesn't mean that Meg would. It doesn't mean that somebody else would. And when it's your own family, when it's your partner, when it's your children, like I have pictures of my kids that other people have taken, you know, snapshots or whatever that I love like I love them but technically like photographically technically they're not good <laughs> but it doesn't matter because I love them <laughs> so that's that's why you can't you can't base your pricing a on what other people think you should be pricing b on what other people in your area are pricing or c on like the the level of image that you're producing they're just not good barometers. So here is what you need to be considering when you are setting your prices. What is your cost of doing business? So I would say this is an exercise that I would like you to participate in. I think it's good for everyone. Just like grab a piece of paper and a pen and let's just write it all down. Yes. Okay. So here's what I need you to do. I need you first to keep track of your time. So if you get from the moment, let's just say you're working with clients from the mo or you're starting a project, whatever it is, and have to be client work. But from the moment you start working on that project through communication, through shooting, through traveling, through editing, through delivery, you need to keep track of all of that time. How much time does it take you? Okay. Because you need to know per session, per project, how much time are you going to be putting in? That's important. Because here's the thing. You know, when I first started my business and, you know, there was a financial gap that we needed to fill, making $1,000 a month or $100 a session sounded pretty good. <laughs> I was like, that's great. <laughs> that's money in my pocket. Well, sure. Yeah, it is. If you know, if it only takes you two hours per session, that's 50 bucks an hour, right? That's pretty good. If it takes me four hours from the start of the project to the end of the project, that's $25 an hour. Still nothing to sneeze at, but then you're going to take 30% of that and put it aside for taxes. And then you're going to look at what your business expenses are and you're going to subtract that 
from what you make in your sessions. So the first thing you need to know is how much time, because you should be getting paid for your time. It's not just the amount of time that you're behind the camera. It is the time you spend in communication. It's the time you spend traveling, especially right now with gas prices, like for reals, (laughs) it's intense. So the whole thing from start to finish, how long does it take you? Just keep track of it. That's step number one. Step number two is that we talked just a few minutes ago about knowing what your business expenses are. Now, here's the thing. When I started my business, I already owned a camera. I already had a lens. So there wasn't a lot of overhead. And I would say on the whole, most, I would say lifestyle photography businesses. So people that don't have studio spaces, that don't use a lot of props, that are more on location, the overhead can be pretty low. You know, you're starting out, you probably already have a camera and a lens. And if you've already purchased those things, you know, in my case, I'd had the camera for years. So for me, that wasn't really, I wasn't considering that a business expense until I invested in different bodies and different lenses. But like, do you have a website? How much do you pay for it? Do you have like a CRM system that you use like a Sprout or a HoneyBook or I can't even think of the other ones? You know, do you have, did you have to buy a computer? Do you have hard drives or memory cards? Like all of those things that we just talked about a couple minutes ago, you need to figure out what are your expenses, tally those up, and then just divide it across 12 months so that you know monthly, okay, I have $50 of expenses every month. Okay. Then you know that. This is what it's going to cost me to keep my business running. 50 bucks a month keeps my business running. Right? And I always, I always put in a little extra. I put in a little buffer in case things come up. So knowing how much time you're putting in to each session or each project, knowing what your business expenses are, And then knowing how many sessions are you in a position to take on? That number is different for everybody. And so do you have time to take on eight sessions a month? Do you have time to take on 30 weddings a year? Do you have time to take on 10 projects a month? Like what is going to work for you and your schedule and your family? And how many do you want to do? (laughs) That's the other, that's the thing, right? Like, You can do this many. How many do you want to do? Once you know those things, once you know how much time it takes you, once you know what your expenses are, once you know how many sessions you want to do, then you need to say, how much do I want to make? What is the number at the end of this year, gross, before all that stuff, do I want to make? You could also look at it from how much do you want to take home? Cause then that would inform how much you want to, how much you want to make. So you can add things in like taxes and whatnot, but let's just say for, for ease of conversation, how much do you want to make gross total? Okay. Take that amount. And then you need to divide it by the number of sessions that you're going to have for the month or the year or whatever it's going to be. And then you need to look at what's the, what's the amount of money that it's going to cost you to keep your business running. Okay. 50 bucks a month. All right. How much time per session? And then whatever that number is that you decided that you wanted to make every month, then you can figure out, okay, if I only want to do, you know, four or five sessions a month, it's going to begin to inform you of what you should be charging in order to make a profit because you should be making a profit. (laughs) And the thing is that I think, especially in something that sort of maybe sometimes feels ambiguous when it comes to things like the creative arts, we don't charge enough for our time. We're not taking into consideration all of our time. And so that's an important way to look at it. What are my expenses? How much time does each project take me? How many sessions do I want to take on? Now, how much money do I want to make at the end of the year? Divide that by the number of sessions you want to take on. Subtract your expenses. And that will give you an idea of what you'll end up with at the end of it. And you can start to inform your pricing based on that formula. That is also to say that we all start somewhere, (laughs) right? 
And so let's talk. I used this analogy actually in our workshop last weekend that um, I think hair salons are a good example for this. <clears throat> I, I know I used to go to a hair salon where they had different levels of hairstylists. And depending on how much experience they had, it depended how much they charged. And obviously those that had more experience charged more, which makes sense because when you're brand new and you're starting out, you're still gaining experience. So I think there is something to be said for knowing how much experience you have, knowing what your cost of doing business is, and knowing that you might have to work your way up, okay? So that does not mean that you're stuck at whatever price you set for the next three years. Absolutely not. In fact, I think a good way to think about it is, okay, this is my price right now. And then once I have maybe... You could do it by time. You could do it by number of sessions. Like once I have 10 or 15 sessions under my belt, then I'm going to raise it by 50 bucks. Once I get another 15 sessions under my belt, I'm going to raise it by another 50 bucks or, you know, whatever it is. But you don't have, there's not, there's no like textbook as to, as to, you know, having to keep your prices the same for a certain number of time. It has to do with experience and how you feel about being able to produce consistently technically good sound work for your clients, for whatever company you're working with. So, and, and then you can always adjust your pricing. I mean, that's the beauty of owning your own business. And I'll use myself as an example. A couple of years ago, I had done, oh, I don't know, three weddings, maybe Got a little big for my britches. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so good. I, so here's the thing. I knew that I could shoot a wedding really well. I was very confident and very comfortable in knowing myself internally what I, did. I would be able to produce good, beautiful images for my clients. The problem was I had really nothing to be able to show my in you know show people that were inquiring what my skill set was on a wedding because I'd done like three of them. So even though I was confident, I didn't have the experience, and I raised my prices way too high. And so people were like, yeah, no, I'm out. And so <clears throat> it was a bit of a humbling experience for me. And so I dropped him back down. And over the course of, you know, of the next like year and a half or so, as I took on more weddings, I incrementally increased my prices till I got to the point where I was like, this is this is my baseline. This is where I need to be. And as long as you are clear with your clients, like as long as you are clear on your website or social media, wherever you're advertising yourself, that prices are subject to change, then, you know, because a lot of the questions I get sometimes too is like, oh, well, what if so-and-so, what if this client's sister inquires with me six months from now, my prices are different. Then your prices are different. And that's all you have to say is I realized that when your sister hired me, my prices were here. My prices are subject to change. They have been there. Th these are my current prices. That's it. And then they can choose to hire you or not hire you. It's totally up to them. But you should always be striving to make a profit. You don't want to be not making a profit in your business. That's, that's important. But, you know, the, and you can't, the reason why you can't look at other people in your area and see what they are charging is because you have no idea what their financial situation is. So for example, my husband carries our health insurance through his work. So all of that is comes out of his income, his check. So I don't have to carry the health insurance, which is a huge help because it's really expensive. Um, so like, you know, I, you couldn't look at me and say, Oh, well, what is Melissa charging? And I should be charging that. But is she not charging enough? Is she charging too much? Like, I don't know, because you don't know what my financial situation is. You don't know if this is, is truly just a, a, a side hustle for me. And it doesn't really matter how much money I make. And I don't really care how many clients I get. Or if like, I'm the sole breadwinner for my family, or I, you know, am paying off credit card debt, or I, you know, I'm paying for health insurance. So using other people in your area as a barometer of what you should be charging is not a good way to go about it. That being said, you also need to sort of know your markets. Like for me, for example, in Massachusetts, people that live in Boston, which is just an hour from me, they can charge a lot, a lot more than what I can in my part of the state. Now, 
it sort of works out well for me because I have a lot of clients from Boston and like the Metro West area because like, oh, you're less expensive than the people out in Boston. Oh, my cost of living is also incredibly less expensive than it is out in Boston. So there's something to be said for sort of knowing your demographic and knowing your area and knowing the socioeconomic status of the area in which you live to inform your pricing. But at the end of the day, you need to price yourself to make a profit. That's just the bottom line there. So don't post in groups and ask people to tell you how much you should charge. <laughs> and if anybody comments and you post a question like that and everyone, anyone comments telling you what you should charge, just disregard them entirely. <laughs> just ask your close circle of creative friends. That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was just going through this process too. Uh, you know, like last month as I was getting ready to launch my client business, I was like, hmm, what do I charge? Because I have the experience now, like we've talked about, and I feel confident going into any photographic situation where I can, you know, rock a session. But again, like I have to figure out what my time is worth, how much I want to make, you know, what, what will work for my area. I also, tr I'm trying to offer something that literally no one else is offering in my area. So that kind of leaves a little wiggle room, but yeah, it's it's hard to kind of figure out where to start your pricing at, especially me being someone a little bit more seasoned as a photographer and jumping into the photography business and client work now, as opposed to when I was, uh, you know, first starting off and learning. So yeah, it, it was hard to decipher again where to go because I I raised my prices quite a bit from where I was, and I was just only offering outdoor sessions um, for basically families. I mean, general photography, but um, yeah, it, it's hard. It's a hard place to start. But if you could honestly ask your close circle of creative friends or close circle of photographers that hopefully you have found by now, if not, please check, check out the Hello Storyteller community because there is a plethora of awesome people out there. Um. Yeah, it's just uh, ask those people and, and get their specific opinions instead of, you know, like 700 other people that you don't know and uh, don't know where they come from or how long they've been, you know, a photographer and this and that. So, um, yeah, again, it's a it's a hard place to start, but we all have to start somewhere and um, we're all just learning as we go, right? Right, Mel? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> For sure. Um, <laughs> let's chat about client experience. And this is going to connect to pricing too. So client experience, in my, in my personal opinion, is far more important than your actual photography. And that might be a bold statement to make. <laughs> but I will say this. Think about the things in your life that you value, that you are willing to invest your money into, whether that is recreational activities, whether it is sort of, you know, self-care, hair, nails, lashes, massages, trips, vacations. You invest in the things that you enjoy. You invest your money in the areas and places where you have good experiences and so when it comes to finding the right clients and finding people that are willing to invest their money with you, the experience that they have in that process is as important, if not more important than the actual final product that you deliver. Not to say that you shouldn't be a proficient photographer. You should. I think that goes without saying when you start a business, you need to be able to produce consistently you know, good, technically sound photographs. But your clients need to have a top-notch experience. And the reason that that's important is, is multifaceted. A, because you're going to find people who are willing to invest with you. You're also going to have people that are going to do work for you. Because we trust the people that we care about. So when you have clients that have good experiences and they also love the final product they receive, they are going to tell their friends and family about you. 
And that is how you start to build your client base. And that is how you start to get more clients. And you get to a point eventually where your clients are doing the bulk of the work of finding you new clients. (laughs) And it takes a while to get there. But that is ultimately where you want to be. You want to be receiving clients word of mouth. You want to have your happy, satisfied clients referring you to other people. I have lost track at this point of how many sisters, brothers, cousins, coworkers I have photographed from like clients that I had at the very beginning of my business. I have always been focused on providing a top-notch, professional, friendly, compassionate, empathetic business client experience for, for my clients. And that starts at the first point of contact and communication. How quickly am I responding to people? How, how am I responding to people? Am I doing that professionally? Am I touching on their pain points? If you go to my website, either of my websites, my, my wedding website or my family website, you will see that there's pages on both of those about the client experience. And I was very intentional. I wrote all the copy for both my websites. I was very intentional about how I created those pages because I wanted to hit the pain points for my clients, right? I know as a mother of three children, what it feels like (laughs) to bring your family to a photography session. I feel that every year when I am behind the camera with my children who are who are older, like they're 12 and, um, and almost 12 and, and nine, like, but I know what it feels like. I know the stress that I feel. I know the difficulty in dealing with your kids and who's going to wear what. And I don't want to participate and, you know, grumpy dads and the whole thing. <laughs> and so, like, I wanted to make sure that my clients know this is a this is what you can expect working with me. B, this is how I approach my sessions and that I understand the hurdles that you are jumping to get here and see that I'm producing a product that you're going to love. And the client experience is my number one priority from start to finish. And it is always on my mind. And the more that you can hone a good, solid, streamlined, professional client experience, you're going to see your business grow. It just, it's just innate. That's how it happens. And then the beauty of that is that if you are working with clients that you want to work with, if they are your ideal client, and that could be a conversation for another episode, they are going to bring other ideal clients to you because they typically are going to be with or work with or work around or be in communication or friendships with people that look at the world the same way they do. And so it becomes this sort of like organic business building process, but it starts with your client experience. If they have a good time during their session, if they feel listened to, if they feel supported, if they feel heard, if their kids have a good time, if dad even lets out a chuckle or a laugh, like they're going to love their images because of how they felt about being there. Even if you were to put those images next to someone who maybe had years more experience, they're going to love them just as much because it reminds them of this good time they had. And now, oh my gosh, look at my babies. Like I had this great experience with this photographer. Maybe I was hesitant about it to begin with. This is a lot of money for us to invest, but I had a great time. My kids are great. And look at my family. It all comes down to how people feel about it. And so how you make your clients feel in the process of working, of booking with you, communicating with you and working with you is hugely important. I would say more important than anything else that you do is, is how you make them feel in the process. So oh, yeah, that's I, just I really important. I, I always try to get... My, sorry, I always try to get my clients to walk away with like a smile on their face or feeling good or happy or, you know, some sort of emotion where they just feel like they came and had fun. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like they – it wasn't like a tedious event that they're like, oh, I have to go take pictures. And sometimes they get there and that's how they feel. But hopefully by the time that they're done and they leave, they're just like, oh, 
that was kind of fun. Let's do that again, you know, in a couple yeah. months. I'm like, okay, sure. Let's, let's book another session, you know? But yeah, I definitely want them having fun and, and not feeling that they're at a fo- photo session. It's just like, like I tell my families, it's just like, we're just hanging out as a family. Just pretend I'm not even here or I'm a family friend or whatever, you know? So, mm-hmm. well, and then the thing is like, you know, cause you never know what happens in the car ride over. <laughs> You know, mom and dad got into a, it was so funny. I'll I'll share the story. I won't say which friend it was, but I was doing a session, a maternity session for a friend of mine. And I showed up to the session. This was years ago. And she got, (laughs) she got out of the car and she looked at me and she was like, I do not want any pictures with him right now. (laughs) (laughs) She was speaking about her husband because they got into this like huge fight, which I'll be honest with you. That is good information for me to know. Right. Like that is yeah. good information for me to know. I can get her by herself. I can get her with the kids. I can get everyone to calm down a little bit. Cause dad was on edge too. You could tell, right. And I'm friends with both of them. So, you know, it, that's, I will, that's helpful information for me to know. Um, uh, totally. You know, and then or we like, can ease hey, our way. My kid didn't nap today. It's like, Oh, okay. Right. Thanks. thanks for the heads up. Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing too, is that I'm very clear about what the experience is going to be when I work with you. So I tell, I tell every one of my families, you have one job in our time together, and that is to be focused and connected with your kids and your partner. That's it. So you better come ready to play. You better come ready that you're going to break a little bit of a sweat, you know, skip the arm workout that day. Cause you're going to be swinging kids around and like <laughs> picking them up and putting them down. And you're going to be chasing after them. And like, at some point, someone's going to cry. At some point, someone's going to run off. They're going to run back and they're going to stop crying and it's going to be fine, right? Because when you are dealing with little people, their emotions are all over the place, right? And so like, I just tell them, I expect all of these things to transpire and it will still result in beautiful photos and you will still have a good time. I promise you. But so they walk in eyes open, like knowing what it's going to be like to work with me, knowing what I'm anticipating happening during their session. And like, it's all, it's, I got you. Like it's, I, I understand. (laughs) It is the reason why I forced my family to get pictures done every single year because it keeps me humble. (laughs) Here's the thing. Like when I'm on you, what they're all going through. (laughs) It's, it's true though. And I would say if you are a photographer that takes on clients, you better be putting your money where your mouth is and you better be booking a a session for yourself and your family because it is like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I feel like, because when (laughs) I'm behind the camera as a photographer and some boy's kid is like melting down, I'm like, it's totally fine. And I'm not just saying that like it is, it's okay. Go take a moment with her. I got dad and your kids. Like, we're going to run around. This one's going to be fine. We're going to bring it. And like, I'm literally not stressed out in any capacity at all. As the photographer, you flip me to the other side of the camera. And I am just like trying to keep my shit together because I've got (laughs) my kids running in different directions. I have, you know, my kids are at the ages now where all they want to do is make stupid faces and so, and I trust like put my hands up and make stupid signs. It's like, stop that. What are you doing? And like, I trust our photographer, like East coast Meg takes my family, my family's picture. She's got boys. <laughs> like I trust her implicitly, but I still cannot put, I can't, I would love to be able to put my photographer hat on while I'm the mom in the photos and like, just chill the F out because like Meg's always like, you've got to relax, <laughs> like, <laughs> calm down. It's going to be fine. But I'll tell you what, like we do that every year. I want the photos. I want the memories, but I also need the experience and to remember what it's like to be like, to be on the other side of that camera. So that's important too. Yeah. But yeah. All right. So do we want to end with these other ways to, so if you're someone that enjoys photography, but doesn't really love the idea of working with clients, I should say clients in the traditional sense of like holding sessions and photographing like families or weddings or things of that nature. We have some ideas for you of ways to make an income. You want to go first? Uh, yes. So okay. one of the ways is, I mean, I guess you can call this OG, but write a blog or, you know, be present on social media. Uh, there's lots of ways to make money. I mean, You can now make money through reels, working, you know, collaborating with different brands. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I've made a nice little income or, you know, just a nice exchange of free stuff. <laughs> always helps, like <laughs> couches and chairs and rugs and, you know, that's always fun. So make it worth your while. Mm. If it's worth the, the trade, you know, then sure. I, I only collaborate with, with brands that I would personally buy, honestly. So yep. if I wouldn't buy it, I'm not, I'm not going to promote it or, you know, market it. So, um, but yeah, it's a nice little income and it's, it's a different, uh, client based relationship, which mm-hmm. I, I really like. I love working with brands, especially small shops, um, or like small dress shops. I just, I love it. I like having that more like intimate relationship and one-on-one, but I'm also working with the bigger stores too. That's always fun and kind of, uh, gives you a nice little boost <laughs> to your creative mm-hmm. ego, I guess. So that's always fun. But also I'm about to jump into the blog world. I know I'm like 20 years behind the game here, <laughs> but uh, I'm hoping that I can bring a little something fun to it. So I will be providing some more tips on that as I kind of uh, go through my journey uh, here in the next uh, few weeks. So, but I'm excited for that. I have a couple of things. So there's always the option to create prints and or products with things like landscape photography or city photography or non-human subjects. (laughs) That's one option. We're going to actually link in the show notes to a podcast that we did. I don't even know when we interviewed Leah um, all about stock photography. Uh, Maybe like Years. two years ago yeah so we'll link that in the show notes as well um but stock photography while not necessarily like big payouts for like one individual print it can add up over time yeah, as you add more to your to like stock see the portfolio sales come in you know mm-hmm. education is a big one maybe not for the brand new photographers but if you're someone that's like trying to maybe take down how many client sessions you take, but still want to create an income, make an income, things like creating courses, mentorships, things of that nature, where you can share your experience as a photographer with other photographers that are looking to, to grow or develop a a certain type of skill. I offer those actually I have one, not next weekend, but the weekend after. I mentioned before that I do in-person workshops and obviously through Hello Storyteller, we have a ton of people who create courses and content for us and people who make a, a sizable income yeah, <laughs> through their Supporting course sales their families. <laughs> in Hello Storyteller. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then the other piece too, is that, you know, if, if individual family or wedding clients just, does not feel like up your alley, then something to sort of look at is trying to get more into sort of like the commercial workspace, whether that is, like working with local businesses for headshot sessions or even like event photography, things of that Stop nature. Stop stealing where, all of mine, Mel. Come on. I thought you I, read I your whole list. And, no, I only did one. Oh. <laughs> Jeez. You that mentioned multiple things. Yeah, oh my goodness. Off of writing a blog. Okay. Sorry. Well, that was my whole list. So <laughs> I didn't understand the rules of the game. No, but I'll, I I'll tell you. I kind of threw it at her last minute, but sometimes that's we true. do that, you know, to I know. keep it going. <laughs> but I shot two weddings this weekend, so my brain cells are not firing at the way that they normally are. <laughs> well, to, but to yeah, go off your event photography, you could do yeah. birthdays or different type of parties or like anniversaries and stuff. You can do community events, work, mm-hmm. you know, with your local city hall or event planner and do local events for them. You can work with maybe the local schools or high schools because they usually have a, a photography program. So you can try to see if you can get in with them. Sports teams. Do, yeah, do some work. And then, uh, yeah, some sports team events, um, either rec or some, you know, high school events or, or whatever. So I'll tell you what, I somehow got roped into doing all of the our town's flag football, tackle yeah, football and go. cheerleading. I, I'm doing it again this fall. I'm probably going to be doing the baseball pictures this spring. I mean, I made a couple thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, like it wasn't, bad. it's not, I will do it differently now that I, this is my first time doing it. I will, I will do it differently now moving forward to make it more streamlined than it was. It's 
not it's not a bad return on investment. I mean, the actual shooting and editing part was very quick. So yeah, you know, but Who those sorts of things. Photos. Did you do school yep. photos also? I've done school photos. Those are fun. I really enjoyed that. I sort of have. I thought about it. And then I don't remember what happened. I think it was one of those things like in theory, it felt like it was going to be something I'd enjoy. And then in reality, I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to do this. But yeah, no, it like was very small preschool. So maybe there was only like four classes. Yeah. Of like, but like know, talking 15, to like kids. if you have if you have kids, you know, in like preschool or kindergarten or even if like homeschool, uh, yeah. if you are in if you're someone that homeschools or you are connected to a homeschool community, That's those sorts idea, of things actually. where, you know, where I'm sure all those parents would still like to have school photos of their of their oh, children. Right. So there's other ways to be able to create an income, make an income, generate an income without having to do sort of your traditional photography path. So know that the the options are are sort of endless when it comes to, you know, being able to create and how you do that. So yeah, so this was part two of our Passion to Profit series. There will probably be a, a part three. But as you are listening to these, if there are things that you want us to cover or talk about, drop them in the notes, shoot us an email. I should drop them in the comments, I should say. Shoot us an email, message us on Instagram, because we'd be happy to incorporate some other things into this particular series that we're doing. Sound good? Sounds amazing. And if you guys have any other topics that you would like us to cover, please uh, DM us on Instagram or email us. Or if there's anyone uh, in particular in the creative world that you would like us to interview, we are looking for some new interviewees to put on our calendar. So that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right, friends. Well, we hope you have a fabulous week and we will check in with you next time. Sounds good. Bye, everybody. Bye, friends. Bye.